MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. Today, John Eastman's disbarment hearings are underway. John Durham is set to testify before a House committee. Alex Jones's right-hand man, Owen Schroyer, is changing his plea to guilty for his participation in January 6th. A trial date of August 14th, 2023 is set by Judge Aileen Cannon. A judge has denied George Santos's appeal to keep the names of those who posted his bail a secret. Donald Trump sent a team of people to find out whether Mark Meadows was cooperating. Hunter Biden will plead guilty to two tax misdemeanors in exchange for probation. Vanderbilt University is turning over transgender patient records to the government. Trump's GOP support is waning. And a federal judge strikes down the Arkansas law banning transition care for minors. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Wow. Almost a minute of headlines. That's not quite a record, but it's pretty close. Lots of news today. John Durham is set to testify publicly. I doubt we'll glean any useful information from it, but Pete and I will cover it on Clean Up on All 45 podcast next week. The new episode, by the way, that's out today covers the Washington Post reporting from yesterday that I talked about on The Beans. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lots of breaking news today. It was tough to pick a lead story, but I'm going to start with a minute order entered by Judge Timothy Kelly. Let me read it to you. As to Jonathan Owen Schroyer, it is hereby ordered that the status conference currently set for June 23rd, 2023, is now converted to a change of plea hearing. It is further ordered that the party shall submit the following materials to the court by June 21st. That's today. One, any written plea agreement. Two, any superseding indictment or information. Three, for each count to which the defendant intends to plead guilty, we need the elements of the defense, the factual proffer the defendant is prepared to acknowledge, the applicable statutory minimum and maximum, and the estimated sentencing guidelines. Now, this could simply be a plea deal where he's going to plead to a couple of misdemeanors with no cooperation. But if there is cooperation, it seems like you would want to get some cooperation for him to plead down to some misdemeanors. And if there is, the DOJ will have to hand it over today. It'll probably be under seal. Schroyer, by the way, was at the Willard, the Willard War Room on January 5th with Roger Stone, Mike Flynn, Steve Bannon, Alex Jones, and others. So you can see how valuable his cooperation could be. Remember that Meadows asked Cassidy Hutchinson, per her testimony to the January 6th committee, to add the war room with the Willard to his movements that day, January 5th, and she advised against it. And speaking of Meadows, from Seuss Bang and Roundsley at the Rolling Stone, earlier this year, Donald Trump sent some of his lawyers and political advisors on a, I don't know, scavenger hunt, a small fact-finding mission. As a person with knowledge of the matter describes to Rolling Stone, the former president wanted to know, according to that source and another person close to Trump, what is Mark Meadows doing? 
Trump was referring to his former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Justice Department investigators and special counsel Jack Smith's office have been keen on questioning Meadows under oath about Trump's efforts to subvert the 2020 election and to hoard government documents. And it's been an ongoing mystery to Trump and his team how much Meadows has given the feds and whether or not he's actually cooperating. Months ago, Meadows and his lawyer severed communications with most of the blunderdome Trump land in a move that continues to frustrate people working to keep the now twice indicted former president out of deeper legal peril. Yeah, good luck with that. The Trump attorneys and advisors who went looking for answers returned with bad news for Donald. They couldn't figure out what was going on, leaving them to repeat rumors and speculation. Meadows' team is keeping quiet. Early this month, the New York Times revealed that Meadows had indeed testified before a grand jury, but scant details have been unearthed about what he discussed or to which specific topics his testimony was related. And Meadows' lawyer, George Terwilliger, this month offered only vagueness. He said, quote, without commenting on whether or not Mr. Meadows has testified before the grand jury or in any other proceeding, Mr. Meadows has maintained a commitment to tell the truth where he has a legal obligation to do so, unquote. That cryptic statement didn't sit well with much of Trump world. In recent weeks, several lawyers and confidants had already discussed their unconfirmed suspicions with Trump that Meadows was being very useful to the feds in order to reduce Meadows' own possible legal exposure. That's according to two people familiar with the matter. Both sources independently told Rolling Stone that when the topic has come up within the past several months, Trump has at times said that he doesn't know what Meadows is doing, adding that it would be a shame if the Magaland rumors were true. In the days since Terwilliger's brief statement to media, some of Trump's longtime allies and close advisors have taken to sardonically referring to Meadows by using the rat emoji in their private conversations, according to a source with knowledge and a screenshot reviewed by Rolling Stone. One thing is for sure, Jack Smith's team is leak-proof when it comes to Mark Meadows. And let's talk about the documents case. Judge Aileen Cannon has set a trial date for this case for August 14th, 2023, a little less than a month and a half, month and a half or so from now, this coming August. That's right around the time that I predict there will be charging announcements in Georgia by D.A. Fonnie Willis. If you've listened to this week's episode of Jack with Brian Greer, former assistant general counsel at the CIA, you'll know that date is going to move. Most experts don't believe this trial will be done even before the election, but we'll keep an eye on all of it for you. And more with the judges today. A judge has denied George Santos's appeal to keep the names of the people who bailed him out a secret. Those names will be released Thursday unless those two people withdraw as sureters. We'll find out whether or not they're actually family unless they withdraw. My guess is they'll withdraw, which could land Santos in prison. I don't know. Let's watch. <laughs> and a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney who has been investigating all things Hunter Biden for five years has reached a deal with Hunter Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. This is from NBC. The Trump-appointed U.S. attorney for Delaware has reached a plea agreement with Hunter Biden in which he's expected to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. Biden also faces separate felony gun possession charges that will likely be dismissed if he meets certain conditions. Two sources familiar with the agreement told NBC News it includes a provision in which the U.S. attorney has agreed to recommend probation for Hunter Biden for his tax violations. Legal experts also say the tax and gun charges will most likely not result in any jail time for President Joe Biden's son. It's the first time the Justice Department, part of the executive branch headed by the president, 
has brought charges against the child of a sitting president. The decision by U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who was nominated by Trump in 2018, indicates an end to the sweeping five-year investigation by federal prosecutors, FBI agents, IRS officials, all of it into Hunter Biden's conduct. The Biden administration has kept Weiss in place in order to avoid having a U.S. attorney appointed by the president oversee his son's criminal case. Weiss's office said in a statement, quote, Hunter Biden received taxable income in excess of $1.5 million annually in the calendar years of 2017 and 2018. Despite owing an excess of $100,000 in federal income taxes, he did not pay the income tax due for either year. Regarding the gun charge, the statement says, from on or about October 12, 2018, through October 23, 2018, Hunter Biden possessed a firearm despite knowing he was an unlawful user of and addicted to a controlled substance. Weiss's office also said that its investigation of Biden is ongoing. That was in 2018. Chris Clark, attorney for Hunter Biden, told NBC News in a statement, quote, with the announcement of two agreements between my client and Hunter Biden, the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware, it is my understanding that the five-year investigation into Hunter is resolved. Quote, Hunter will take responsibility for two instances of misdemeanor failure to file tax payments when due pursuant to a plea agreement. A firearms charge, which will be subject to a pretrial diversion agreement and will not be the subject of the plea agreement, will also be filed by the government. I know Hunter believes it's important to take responsibility for these mistakes that he made during a period of turmoil and addiction in his life. He looks forward to continuing his recovery and moving forward, unquote. A White House spokesperson said the president and first lady love their son and support him as he continues to rebuild his life. We have no further comment, unquote. Peppered with shouted questions by reporters about the charges at an event in California, the president said, I'm very proud of my son. Trump, who faces criminal charges for his alleged mishandling of classified documents, criticized the agreement in a post on his website, Truth Social, which is also under criminal investigation. The resolution suggests that prosecutors did not find cause to file charges related to Hunter Biden's dealings with foreign entities or any other wrongdoing for that matter. Trump and several Republican-led congressional inquiries have long alleged that Biden engaged in years of criminal conduct with individuals tied to the Chinese government and companies in Ukraine and elsewhere. Nope. In 2021, Biden paid all the outstanding taxes he owed, and uh, Biden was not charged with failure to file returns for those years. He filed returns but agreed to plead guilty to not paying enough in both years, which was over 100 grand. The felony gun possession charge will be resolved in what is known as a pretrial diversion agreement, where charges are dropped if certain conditions are met by the defendant, such as not committing a crime in a given time period. The specific conditions of Biden's gun case were not disclosed in the court documents. The federal investigation of Hunter Biden began in 2018 under the Trump administration as a broad inquiry of his international business relationships with an emphasis on potential national security implications. Over time, it narrowed to an examination of his personal taxes and purchase of a gun. A grand jury was convened in Delaware and continued to hear testimony from witnesses throughout 2022. In early 2020, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Pittsburgh joined the investigation at the request of Bill Barr, who was tasked with assessing information provided by Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, about alleged corruption in Ukraine that included allegations about Hunter Biden. Investigators looked into whether Hunter Biden acted as an agent or a lobbyist of a foreign government, but he didn't. Investigators ultimately determined there was no basis for charges beyond Biden's gun application and his failure to pay his taxes on time. They just keep coming up empty. They just keep coming up empty and wasting your tax dollars. All right, next up, from CNN, 
Former President Trump's support appears to have softened. That's a nice way to put it, CNN. Following his indictment and arrest on federal charges. That's according to a new CNN poll. Most Americans approve of Trump's indictment stemming from his alleged mishandling of classified documents, even as 71% say politics played a role. Though uh, Trump continues to lead the GOP field by a wide margin in the race for the Republican Party's nomination, the polls suggest his support has declined, uh, as have positive views of him among Republican and Republican-leaning voters. Nearly a quarter now say they would not consider backing his candidacy under any circumstances. The survey also finds that those GOP-aligned voters not currently backing his 2024 bid have different views on his indictment and behavior than those in his corner. Still, there's little sign that Republican-aligned voters who aren't backing Trump are consolidating behind any one of his rivals, nor are they unified around wanting Trump out of the race entirely or in feeling that his primary opponents ought to call him out for his actions in this case. Overall, 47% of Republicans and Republican-leaning registered voters say Trump is their first choice. That's down from 53% in May. So he lost six points. Support for Ron DeSantis held steady at 26, with former Vice President Mike Pence at nine, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley at five, Tim Scott at four, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie at 3%. The remaining candidates are at 1% or less. In addition to the decline in support for Trump's candidacy, his favorability rating among Republican-aligned voters dipped from 77% in May to 67%. It's down 10 points since the indictment. While the share who say they would not support him under any circumstances has gone up from 16% to 23%. At the same time, there's been a similar increase in the share saying they would not back DeSantis under any circumstances. That's up six points. (laughs) while the shares ruling out other top candidates have held roughly steady. Now, the poll was completed entirely after Trump's arraignment in federal court last week, and Republican and Republican-leaning voters participating in the poll were asked questions about the 2024 race, before mentioning any of the charges facing Trump, by the way. Outside of the Republican Party, those changes are broadly viewed as disqualifying. Among all Americans, 59% say Trump ought to end his campaign now, because he's facing federal charges. Another 11% say he should do so if convicted. Among all registered voters who are not aligned with the Republican Party, there's broad agreement. 85% say Trump should end his campaign now, and another 7 say they should end it if he's convicted. So, no, indictments aren't helping. From Brown and Puente at the Tennessean, Vanderbilt University Medical Center has turned over transgender patient medical records to the Tennessee Attorney General's office, which confirmed Tuesday it's conducting an investigation into potential medical billing fraud? Just the transgender folks? VUMC, through a spokesperson, confirmed to the Tennessean on Tuesday the facility provided patient medical records to the Attorney General. The Tennessean reviewed a VUMC notice informing patients of the move, which the facility said was a result of an investigation into billing for transgender care services provided to individuals enrolled in state-sponsored insurance plans. The state requested medical records from January 1st, 2018 to the present. The Attorney General's office said VUMC began providing relevant records in December of last year, and the state's investigation is focused on the facility and certain providers, not patients. Uh huh. The state has legal standing to seek the private medical records. That's per a healthcare legal expert. However, the move has sparked privacy concerns among families whose children sought treatment at VUMC amid an increasingly contentious political climate surrounding transgender issues in Tennessee, where multiple legal battles are ongoing over state policies. 
Quote, the UMC received requests from the Office of the Tennessee Attorney General as part of its investigation seeking information about transgender care at VUMC. The Tennessee Attorney General has legal authority in an investigation to require that VUMC provide complete copies of patient medical records that are relevant to its investigation. VUMC was obligated to comply and did so. That's John Hauser, VUMC's chief communications officer, in a statement. In its notice to patients, VUMC said it provided the records with the AG's assurance that the records would remain confidential as required by Tennessee law. Yeah, to, from the public, but not from you, the attorney general. Now, patients affected were provided with a hotline number to call with questions and concerns, which is an answering service that asks callers to leave a name and phone number. That's it. Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Skirmetti said last fall his office planned to investigate VUMC's practices after conservative advocates published allegations that VUMC punished those who objected to its gender-affirming treatment program for children and that some treatments were used as money-making schemes. Yeah, it's never the patient. I'm sorry. It's just not. Vanderbilt denied the allegations, but the story sparked a major backlash among Tennessee conservatives. Skirmetti and Governor Bill Lee vowed to investigate the clinic's practices, though neither cited any current laws the UMC potentially ran afoul of at the time. Of course not. This is dangerous and scary. But in some good news, from Rick Rojas at the New York Times, a federal judge in Arkansas on Tuesday struck down the state's law forbidding medical treatment for children and teenagers seeking gender transitions, blocking what had been the first in a wave of such measures championed by conservative lawmakers across the country. The case had been closely watched as an important test of whether bans on transition care for minors, which have since been enacted by more than a dozen states, could withstand legal challenges being brought by activists and civil liberties groups. In his 80-page ruling, Judge James Moody of Federal District Court in Little Rock said the law both discriminated against transgender people and violated constitutional rights for doctors. He also said the state of Arkansas had failed to substantially prove a number of its claims, including that the care was experimental or carelessly prescribed. Quote, rather than protecting children or safeguarding medical ethics, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients and that by prohibiting it, the state undermined the interests it claims to be advancing. Further, he wrote, the various claims underlying the state's arguments that the act protects children and safeguards medical ethics do not explain why only gender-affirming medical care and all gender-affirming medical care is singled out for prohibition. The challenge to the law, which was brought by the ACLU of Arkansas, and named several transgender children and doctors as plaintiffs, argued that the ban violated transgender people's constitutional right to equal protection, that's 14th Amendment, parents' rights to make appropriate medical decisions for their children, and doctors' rights to refer patients for medical treatments. The decision was hailed as a significant victory for the LGBTQ plus community, delivering a dose of certainty for transgender youth in Arkansas who had worried for nearly two years about losing access to puberty blockers and hormones. The decision applies only to the Arkansas law, which Judge Moody had temporarily blocked just days before it was set to go in effect in July. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, let me tell you, I have never had an easier time getting a good night's rest. And it's all because of my new mattress from Helix Sleep. Well, new, I've had it for a couple years, but it's tailored to my exact needs. And now I wake up feeling better than I ever did with my old mattress. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute online sleep quiz, and they'll match it to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Helix Sleep has 20 unique mattresses from the amazing Lux collection to the freshly launched Elite collection, all ready to start taking your slumber to the next level. 
Helix has customized comfort solutions for everyone, including big and tall sleepers, even little kiddos. Once you take the two-minute Helix sleep quiz, you can have your own customized mattress delivered right to your doorstep for free. The quiz pointed me to the Helix Midnight Mattress. It's perfect for folks like me who prefer a medium-firm bed and sleeping on our side. All their mattresses come with a 10- or 15-year warranty, and there's a 100-night in-home trial to make sure you love it. Uh, You will. So steer clear of the mattress stores, find your match with Helix so you can start experiencing the best sleep of your life. And don't forget to check out the brand new Elite Collection, the Piece de Resistance, a new standard for mattress excellence. Right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play what the mutt or what the heck wine or shit kids say or shit you say or shit your parents say or a whoopee story, a blankie story, a stuffed animal story, pod pet tax photos. I love those, especially if they're in costume, but any pet will do. If you don't have a pet, you can pay your tax by sharing an adoptable pet in your area. Give a shout out to a loved one, a local business, your business, anything you want to send, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. And click on contact. All right. First up, from Caden, pronouns he and him. Hi, Daily Beans team. I want to say thank you for putting out this podcast. I want to stay informed on, on these best of times and worst of times that we live in. But I've recently come out as trans. And I found it really hard to be connected with the world and hear all the horror stories about anti-trans, anti-queer, anti-anyone who doesn't fit the white, straight, two and a half kids, white picket fence lifestyle. I really, really appreciate your compassion and commentary and swearing. It makes the world feel a little less unstable, a little safer, and I appreciate it. Please enjoy photos of my cat, Sammy, who has kitty abandonment issues after being rehomed twice, but she's finally feeling comfortable with me, which is awesome. And Aoife, who is my partner's golden retriever and the purest ball of sunshine you've ever seen. Oh, hi, kitty, relaxed kitty tabby baby. Oh, golden retrievers are just so great. They're like Aristotle's perfect form of dog. Love them. Hayden, thank you. Um, thank you so much for sending that in. Next up from Anonymous, no pronouns. Kitchen Days listener here. This is the first time I'm reaching out. I call this pick Dog is My Co-Pilot, <laughs> as opposed to God is My Co-Pilot. Some stats on my co-pilot. Name, Luna. Age, unknown. Breed, mutt. Open to your suggestions. Unknown. Sense of direction, questionable. Cuteness, off the charts. Have a great one, ladies. Thanks for your service, AG. And to all of you, thanks for everything you do every day. Oh, this pupper is so cute. I don't know, like a little chihuahua mix of some sort. Um, maybe a little healer in there. Just adorable. It's adorable. This dog is adorable. That's what it is. I've decided that's the breed. Adorable. Thank you, Anonymous. Next up from Alice, pronoun she and her. Happy pride to the leaders of the Leguminati and happy indictment season as well. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. AJ, you asked recently about nicknames for our pets. We've had pet names for most of our dogs and cats. Our second dog, Bear, also went by Bear Bait, because if Mama Bear saw her from behind, she'd claim her as her cub. And Barbaloot, after the Dr. Seuss characters. There was a definite resemblance. Our third dog, Murphy, the Irish potato dog, became Murphy the Lionhearted, owing to a fever-induced hallucination. Bashful became the Bashful Camelope, or just Camel, for similar reasons. Ugh, why is there a camel on the bed? And while pulling the muzzle down and looking deep into puzzled doggy eyes, don't spit. 
<laughs> Caledon was the dreaded wild North American golden wiggle worm Snugglepuss, or sometimes Osama bin Snugglepuss, creator of the Snuggle Sneak Attack. Her half-brother, Donegal, was Donegal's sweet boy, El Diablo, the demon dog from hell. As a pair, they were the villages. It takes a village and we have two, a farming village and a fishing village. The villages were on a rampage today. And the cats had nicknames too. Centauri, the space cadet, and Tigger, the orange boy, were the flying cat and Meow Meow brothers from the stolen chicken leg caper. Uh, (laughs) And Autumn, the muted calico, was pink. She was really pink, pink and gray, very 50s. Wow, this is long. Sorry about that. We'll save origin stories for another day. They're pretty funny. For Pet Tax, I give you Centauri, Tigger, and Autumn. Keep up the fucking fantastic work. You are both amazing. Thank you, Alex. Look at the baby with the black boopy nose. Oh, and the cat in the sink. My cat's always in the sink. Oh my gosh. So cute. All right, next up from Trish, pronouns she and her. Good morning, AG and DG. I look forward to listening to you first thing in the morning. Thanks for the clarity. Wait, can you add a minute or two of the amazing job the Biden-Harris administration is doing? I'm here to see Trump finally face consequences for his actions, but the Biden-Harris administration needs kudos for their amazing work. Here are some pics of my dog, Stella, and Riley. Ooh, beefy dog right there. Is that like a German Shepherd Dobie mix? Wow. And then the cute puppers there. Uh, Oh, we have some answers here. German Shepherd dog, just German Shepherd, and Riley is a red healer. Oh, beautiful, beautiful animals. Thank you. Thank you for sending that in. Yes, we try to cover the great advancements and achievements of the Biden administration. The I-95 bridge is only going to be closed for like a week because of the amazing work that that Shapiro is doing there and and with the help of Biden, infrastructure money. I mean, there's just so much. He's, He's done so many things. But yeah, we'll work on that a little harder. Thanks. Next up, from Carrie, pronouns she and her. For your pet in a box category, this is Rumpus. <laughs> Great name. She may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but she certainly knows how to get herself out of a box. When not grooming her immaculate eyeliner, she can be found studiously researching the power of napping on a lap or a bed. She listens, along with me, to your podcast every morning. We're both extremely grateful for your insights and vital work reporting the news and its implications. You have a rare and valuable gift. Oh, thank you. Hi, Rumpus. Hi, kitty, kitty, kitty. Psst, 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 psst. Rumpus, hi. So, yep, look at that. Chewing the, bo- <laughs> chewing the box to bits. Oh, she's a little chonker. Adorable. Thank you. All right, finally, from Anonymous, pronoun she and them. I lived in Felon, California. Felon, California, for 10 years? People in town would argue about the pronunciation. A local joke was that the reason the high school was named Serrano, neither Felon High or Phelan High, would have had a great impression. P.S., I call... It Phelan, since that was how our titular senator pronounces it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I will try to do my best to pronounce all the things you send me. And thank you so much for all of your pod pet picks. I appreciate you all. Dana will be back with me tomorrow. And uh, I look forward to that. I miss her when she's gone, too. Don't worry. But uh, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. 
Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.